Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rusty George Podcast. Today, we continue our summer series of the best of the podcast, and I'm going to share with you one of my favorite conversations with one of my favorite people. Brian Dodd is a guy that works for Enjoy, which helps people with stewardship solutions for their churches, but on the side began really just kind of creating a leadership blog, which has become one of the most popular leadership blogs out there. He is a constant supporter of other contributors. He's the guy that always goes to the movies on Thursday night and records the top 10 leadership lessons from Spider-Man or the Avengers or whatever new blockbuster is out. And he's just a great, great read. So I would really encourage you to pick up anything he's written, watch watch and read all of his blogs. They're fantastic. Uh, but also enjoy my podcast and conversation with Brian Dodd. Well, I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast, finally, Brian Dodd. I've been desirous to have him on the podcast for many, many weeks and months. And Brian and I began a friendship probably about a year ago via our uh, mutual friend, Carrie Newhoff. And, and Brian, I've just been fascinated with your ministry and your blogs and the resources you provide for pastors and church leaders. And a lot of our listeners are not necessarily in the vocational ministry, but they serve in some form of church leadership. For those who are not familiar with you and your work, would you just give us uh, your life in a, in a nutshell, sum it up for us and what you've been doing? Oh, yeah, definitely, Pastor Rusty. And, you know, the feeling's mutual. You know, ever since you and I connected, uh, I, this is just a real pleasure for me. So thank you for having me on. Uh, in my daytime job, I am the director of new ministry partnerships for an organization called Enjoy Stewardship Solutions. So we help churches with capital campaigns and expanding their cultures of generosity. So if a church needs to build a new building, buy land, pay off debt, launch a new campus, expand their ministry, and they need to raise significant capital, uh, they talk to guys like me. And so that's that's what we do is we help them in that area. So that's my daytime job. Uh, what a, a lot of people may know me for is what I do as a hobby and what I do at night. Uh, you know, some, some guys golf, some, you know, work in their auto shop, some do woodwork or gardening or Whatever they may do, what I do at the end of the day is I just collect my thoughts and write leadership blogs from mm. stuff I just happen to be learning. And I just try to package that in a way that other people can read it. But yeah, uh, probably about seven, eight years ago, I launched a website called Brian.Own Leadership. And, um, you know, it's very funny. And for, for people who, who may be in the marketplace, this is a good lesson for them I just did it because I just wanted to write down some thoughts, you know, and really I wanted to write a book and I couldn't sit down and hammer out 50 to 100,000, 50,000 to 100,000 words mm. in one in one shot, but I could do 500 words a day. Yeah. So I really started a blog merely just to start writing a book. And I got my first subscriber on day one, a good friend of mine named Chad Auckland, who I actually work with at Enjoy Stewardship. He subscribed on day one. I call it a mercy killing. You know, he got me off zero. <laughs> Funny thing, it took me six months till I got my second subscriber. Wow. And the stats came out in August, and it's just truly a story of, of God blessing something. But it turned out that, you know, now it's the 13th largest Christian leadership blog in the world. Um, but it, but really, like I said, it's not one of these meteoric rise type of things. 
uh, I literally for six months was averaging 30 readers a day, if that. And, and so it just grew over time. How many years has it been since you began your blog? About eight. Eight years. About seven or eight, yeah. And that certainly is a lesson in, uh, in patience, in waiting for that to kind of attract that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I tell people, and this is totally counterintuitive to anybody that speaks for a living like you do or, you know, writes for a living. I tell people I'm my number one audience, you okay. know, and I, I just have the mentality, if I'm not going to read it, I shouldn't expect anybody else to read it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just write about stuff I'm, I'm interested in. I think I'm an average guy, and there's a lot of average guys out there and average ladies who are leaders. And, yeah, I don't think my journey is anything that other people aren't experiencing. And, yeah, so I just try to put my learnings and my lessons and all of that, put them in, way, put them in a format that people can read and use, and that's done really well, and it's also birthed two books out of it over that time. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your latest book called Timeless. I think it's fascinating, but give our listeners kind of a snapshot of it. Yeah, so in my first book, uh, I coined the phrase called Apex Leaders, you know, and that comes from like watching Shark Week and things like that, and you'd hear the apex predator of the sea and so you just kind of think about it, and you're like, okay, well, Apex is the pinnacle and the top and the best of the best. And you're like, there's got to be Apex leaders. So I started writing about what I would call Apex leaders. So over the course of several years, I wrote over 180 profiles of Apex leaders on my website. Hmm. So one day, I just thought, okay, I wonder if there's any common threads that run through these individuals and these organizations. Because I also wrote about Apex businesses and Apex churches. And so I literally got an Excel spreadsheet, and in the column side, I would write down the post, and in the individual rows, I would write about the things that made them unique. So I identified about 309 traits Apex leaders and organizations had, and I narrowed it down to the top 10. And so the name of the book is Timeless, 10 Enduring Practices of Apex Leaders. So the 10 is those 10. Where Enduring comes in, if you've ever read any of Malcolm Gladwell's material, he'll put a Bible verse at the top of a chapter, and then he'll just write about whatever he wants to. So I go a little further than that. I actually do a biblical, you know, breakdown and a biblical study of that individual trait. And then I bring in modern day examples. And what I really like about the, the book, uh, and my first book I, I wrote like this too, there's no what I would classify pure leadership development material that pastors and church leaders can use. Basically, what you have to do is you'll get like Carrie's new book or Andy Stanley's new book, and you're like, let's read a chapter a week and discuss it. And so what I do is at the end of each chapter, I've got discussion questions. So that way, pastors can go through Timeless with their staff, staff can go through it with their lay leaders, and lay leaders can do it in their spheres of influence. So that way, it can be used as a discipleship tool in the area of leadership also. Mm. Well, that's so great. Okay, so I don't want to have you give away all 10 of those, uh, those timeless truths, but give us one uh, that you, uh, you, know, you think about a lot and you continue to see play out. Yeah, I'll give you chapter 10, Apex Leaders Deliver Results. Mm. And uh, 
you know, at the time of rec- of this recording, uh, one of the leaders I profile is Chesley Sullenberger, uh, who's known as Captain Sully, who landed the, the U.S. Airways A320 Airbus into the Hudson River. Mm. He's one of the leaders I profile in that. And ultimately, the, the ability to deliver results is really the defining characteristic of if your influence is going to grow and continue. Because especially like you as a pastor, you'll stand up in front of your church and you'll cast a vision and you'll say, ladies and gentlemen, here's where I think God's taking us and here's what it looks like and here's the resources that are going to be needed and here's the lives that are going to be changed and here's how you can be involved and here's what God's going to do in your life and here's when we're going to start and here's how long it's going to take. And people, whether they communicate it or not, are all sitting there and they buy into that vision. Mm. And somewhere down the road, you either delivered or you didn't. Mm. And so if you delivered, you know, David and Goliath, David slayed the bear, slayed the lion, now bring on Goliath. Mm -hmm. If you're slaying the bears and the lions, they'll trust you for Goliath. But what happens is the ability to deliver results. When I'm speaking to audiences and I'm talking about uh, Sully, I'm saying, do you know why Tom Hanks played Sully? Do you know why they made a movie about Sully? Is because Sully landed the plane (laughs) and all 155 people got off safely. If that plane would have crashed, Nicolas Cage would have been playing Sully. (laughs) But that's the difference. So, um, so yeah, your ability to deliver results, and as a Christian, and this is how I conclude the book, uh, that's what makes Jesus so attractive. I mean, when Jesus tore, asked, you know, told storms to cease and calm down, they did. And when he told people to be healed, they were. And when he told Lazarus to come out of the tomb, he did. And I could go on and on down the list, but ultimately the big one is he says, look, they're going to kill me, and in three days I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out of that tomb. And he did. And so the reason Jesus is followed, um, I mean, there's a multitude of reasons, but one of them is everything he said he would do, he did. You know, you bring up an interesting point there when it comes to delivering results. We, we tend to look at, and, and pastors are definitely guilty of this, we look at the success stories and we don't see all the little successes and sometimes failures it took to get to that success. Right. I think about the the many, many hours Sully had to just be in flight school and, you know, the difficulties of uh, flying different jets and planes and whatnot until he was able to fly that plane in that circumstance. You mentioned David being able to kill the bear and the lion before Goliath. In a world that's saturated with highlight reels on, on social media of the Goliaths that leaders kill, what would you say to those leaders out there that think, oh, I can't do that. I'm in a small church, or I lead a small group of junior high kids, or, you know, I, I'm not even good at that. You know, what would you say to them about delivering results while they wait for their Goliath moment? Yeah, I think what happens is we overvalue the destination and undervalue the process. Mm. And it's in the process that God makes you into the type of person who can kill the Goliath and who can deliver the results. You know, we'll we'll just talk about Sully. All those years, nobody knew who he was. He was about to retire. No one knew who he was until he landed that plane. 
but it was all the years of flight school, all the years of training, all the years of preparation. And if you watch that movie, and there's a couple of books that really break it down well, his autobiography breaks it down, and a book called Bird on the Wire break it down very well. But soon as those Canadian geese hit that plane, he very calmly starts going through the process, the process that he's done thousands of times with nobody watching. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like that's like me and my blog. For six months, only 30 people read a day. Mm-hmm. Out of six billion people in the world, 30 read a day. And, you know, <laughs> a couple of them probably my family. But here's, <laughs> here's the thing. What is done in secret, the lonely work, the faithfulness, that provides the platform and the bricks and the mortar that God uses to give you your public ministry. Okay, let me shift gears here for a second. You and I, we talk about this a lot. We read a lot of books. Yeah. And I think for people that read books, first of all, there's not a lot of guys that read books after they graduate from high school. But for those of us that finally sit down to read a book, we might pick up a pen and underline a thing or two. We might jot a note in the margin. And then if we finish the book, which we all have a a collection of books with a bookmark about three quarters or halfway through... (laughs) Um, If we finish the book, then we put it on a shelf. And then what do you do with that knowledge? For you, you have found a way to capture information by blogging. What do you recommend to people about how to read and how to retain? Okay, what you're talking about right now is very fresh with me. So I'm just going to tell you the journey I'm currently on, Mm. okay? Back in 2017, so we're taping this in December of 2018, So one year ago, I finished reading 54 books in a year, cover to cover, breaking them all down, marking them all up, no bookmark in there, all of them done, 54 books, okay? And I also wrote a book that year, Mm. which was timeless. So it kind of hit me afterwards. I'm sure that in the gray matter of my brain, that information was lodged somewhere, and if I ever needed it, I would either know where the resource is or God could pull it off the gray matter of my brain. But frankly, I don't remember a lot about them 54 books. I was, I was just hammering through them, okay? Mm-hmm. So in 2019, and I've started kind of documenting some stuff now and getting it prepared, I'm going on a year-long learning project. Mm. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read two books a month. You know, that's just part of my ongoing learning and leader development. Um, so, you know, like right now, one of the books I'm reading, you, you recommended to me, and that's right here, Leaders, Myth, and Reality by General uh, Stanley McChrystal. So that's one of the two books I'm reading in December. Mm-hmm. But I took the top 24 books that I've enjoyed the most, that have impacted me the most, and they're all underlined and they're all marked up. So I've already done all the heavy lifting. But two books a month, I'm going through and I'm pulling out the key learnings of what those books are telling me. Okay. And here's the thing. This is where I'm going to lose a little credibility. I don't know what I'm going to find at the end of 2019 Mm -hmm. when I go through that. But the top 24 books that I've enjoyed the most impacted me, there's a difference between reading a book and studying a book. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be reading the two books a month, okay, because that's just part of my development. But I'm going to be studying 
two books a month and just seeing what God pulls out of it. So one of the things I love about your blog is you not only highlight learnings from reading, but also from movies. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I'm a fellow movie buff as well. And I, I, I'm always amazed how quickly you get to the movies and, and see these because, you know, Avengers will come out on Thursday night and Friday morning, there's a blog from you on 17 leadership lessons from the Avengers. Right. Uh, help us understand how to watch a movie with leadership in mind and picking up this stuff. So we kind of get another takeaway rather than just an escapism or um, an enjoyment factor. All right. So here's, here's the genesis of that process. Many years ago, I'd been at Enjoy Stewardship maybe two years, and my my boss at the time, the company president, his name was Dave Sutherland, he walked into my office one morning, probably about seven in the morning. He sits down at my desk, and he looks at me, and he goes, Brian, do you know why Kenny Phillips is starting for the University of Miami as a freshman? Now, Kenny Phillips was a defensive back, and he went on to play for the Giants. I said, no, sir. He goes, preparation, Brian. Preparation is how Kenny Phillips is starting for the Hurricanes as a freshman. What are you doing today to prepare your team for success? You know, and I'm sitting, and he got that from Sports Illustrated. Uh And I remember thinking, well, I read Sports Illustrated, and I read Inc., and I read USA Today, and I, I read some stuff. So I started pulling stuff out. So John Maxwell in the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, the Law of Priorities, Leaders always uh, evaluate everything through a leadership bias. Mm. So here's how the movies happened. You know, my blog, I'm sitting here trying to write the most innovative leadership (laughs) content in the history of mankind. Okay. (laughs) Hours and hours and hours I'm focusing on content and it's crickets on the reader side. So I go to a movie one day. It was the Will Will Smith's son, the Jackie Chan, the remake of Karate Kid. Uh Uh-huh. I wrote five leadership lessons from Karate Kid. I got more hits on that post that day than any single day combined up until that point of my site. Wow. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I am making this way too difficult, you know. <laughs> just. And so anyway, yeah, I'll go to a movie and look, all movies are about conflict. Man against man, man against nature, man against himself. And there's always a hero, and there's always a guide, and there's always a problem to solve. Right. So, and there's always great quotes if somebody's doing some kind of inspirational speech. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is, I just capture that. Mm. And it's funny, I've had pastors, because the At The Movie series is now very popular for pastors. Right. I've, ha- I've had pastors contact me saying, okay, I need some content for... Mm-hmm such and such a movie and I'll send them the post or something like that. But, but yeah, they're incredibly popular. Uh, they've got incredibly long shelf life. Mm-hmm. A- and so what I'll do, there's a theater around here that shows them the day before their release, kind of a seven o'clock showing. Mm-hmm. So I'll just go to the seven o'clock showing, take my notes, go home, post it that night. And then it'll be emailed out the next morning. Um, uh, and look, as a blogger, I want to try to get readers, obviously. So, you know, if I can have it out opening weekend when people are talking about it, right. it's it's very timely. Wow. So. 
Okay, so let's uh, let's pull from your years of knowledge of reading about, interviewing, blogging about leadership. Where do you think leadership has come in the last twenty years, and where do you think it's headed? I'm going to ask yeah. you to predict a little bit. Yeah, look, here's the thing. There's going to be a lot of opinions on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if my opinion's right or you know anything of that nature. I'll talk about the church specifically. Um, I think the pastor is a CEO model is shifting to the pastor is a shepherd model. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, 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 you know, I think the and look, I, I look, I'm chief of sinners on this. I'm as guilty as anybody. But the hey, IBM's doing something great. Let's run to IBM and find out what they're doing and apply it to the church. Mm-hmm. Church leaders need to be humble enough to learn from anybody, but at the same time, church leaders under the power of the Holy Spirit lead a supernatural organization. And we can learn principles and we can learn things like that, and we need to be open to that. But the greatest leadership book ever written is the Bible. Mm. And so we have a resource and we have it in us to answer all the questions the rest of the world is dealing with. And I think the pastor as a CEO model ultimately is non-sustainable. Uh, at a certain point, uh, you know, pastors are shepherds. And I think when you look at churches now, Larry Osborne's on the front edge of this, New Spring Church with what Clayton King and, and Brad Cooper are talking about are on the leading edge of this. I think it's shifting from pastor as a CEO to uh, pastor as a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Now, look, you and I have been around long enough, you know, we both got the gray hair. <laughs> I, I, I remember the pastor in the coat and tie, and then the pastor shifted to the slacks and the golf shirt. And then we shifted to, you know, the, the, the innovative pastor looked like Stone Cold Steve Austin. They were bald with a goatee, you know. <laughs> and, and then the innovative pastor was the cussing pastor, That's you know. Right. And <laughs> then the innovative pastor was tattooed up, you know. And, you know, and now the innovative pastor is the drinking pastor, you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> I think where it's headed is the pastor that's the shepherd. I think that's where the church is going. I think all the other models have proved unsustainable, and I think that is a very healthy thing. The cussing pastor was unsustainable, huh? I, yeah, you could. Yeah, that's the tweetable. The cussing pastor is a non-sustainable leadership model. That's the for an evangelical church. That's yes. what we'll title this blog or this uh, podcast. I remember that stage. I didn't have the guts to do it, nor would my board allow me. <laughs> Uh, but I certainly sat under some of those talks and thought, wow, that guy, he went out hey, there. Yeah, look, okay. I, yeah, so, we all came through those eras. Yeah, so. we did. We did. All right, let me yeah. ask you this, specific to those who are leading in a local church ministry. And I'm talking about the volunteers that are working 50 hours a week, you know, in the car for a couple hours a day because of their commute. And now they're volunteering at a church. They don't have a lot of time to prep and to spend in leadership, but they want to make an impact. What should they spend their time on to make the most impact in their leadership position at a church? Yeah, and by the way, that's the world I live in. I'm not on a church staff. I work for Enjoy Stewardship, and then I volunteer at my church. Right. Uh, So that's the world I live in. You know, the greatest fulfillment 
that I've ever gotten as a volunteer. Obviously, you want to operate within your spiritual gift mix. But number two, you have to tie what you do back to the mission and vision of the church mm. and see yourself as a, as a vehicle that God's using to tell a much bigger story through this, through this enterprise called your local church. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a good example. Um, there's a pastor out in Georgia by the name of Ike Reichert. And um, at the time, he had, as a church plant, it's called North Star Church, the fastest growing church plant in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention at the time. And I headed up his parking ministry. So every week, it was my job and my team's job to get 600 cars into 200 parking spaces. So that was, that was our job. <laughs> now, our church's, our church's mission statement was to show God's love in such a way that people would exchange ordinary living for an extraordinary life through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. So I loved that mission statement because there was activity, show God's love in such a way, and accomplishment that they would exchange their life. Okay, so there's activity and accomplishment. There's movement and progress. So here's what I coached our team through every week. And every week we would get together. We'd have small group time before we studied. We eat breakfast together, prayer request. Uh, we did evangelism training together. Our job was to facilitate the first 12 minutes of the worship experience from the time that the car hit the parking lot till they sat in their seat, mm. to, fa- to facilitate the worship experience in such a way that by the end of the worship service, someone will exchange ordinary living for an extraordinary life through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. The measurement of our success as a parking team was, did somebody get saved this morning? Wow. So the church was great. Every Monday, they would email me the stats of how many people gave their life to Christ. So that way, when we came back the next week and we had that pre-meeting that we would have and that rally time and that small group time, I would always start it out by saying, hey, gang, last week, because of your efforts, because of you braving the elements and standing out there in the rain or the cold or the heat, and because you were willing to do that and miss the first three songs of the worship service and you didn't get a chance to sit through the whole service with your wife, because you made those sacrifices— God used you last week to see five people accept him as Lord and Savior. So by taking your volunteer efforts, operating within your spiritual gift mix, but taking your volunteer efforts and tying them back to the overall mission and vision becoming a reality, that was the best way that I've ever seen, you know, to keep a team motivated and to keep myself motivated at the same time. Mm, That's fantastic. Okay, as we wrap up here. And by the way, can I add something to that? Yeah. If you do that, that's far more compelling than travel sports or I live in Georgia going to the mountains or, you know, any of those things that you hear about today that are keeping people away from church. By tying it back to mission and vision, it dwarfs all the other things this world has to offer. Oh, that's such a good point. You're right, because everybody wants to be part of something that, that makes an impact and makes a difference, and to see that play out is what it's all about. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. You read a lot of blogs, you listen to a lot of podcasts. Give us a couple you know, really good ones out there that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about or haven't heard of yet, but you think, boy, this is worth leaders taking a listen to or a look at. 
Yeah, I'll try to give you some that are just below the radar because everybody knows about Carrie Newhoff and Andy Stanley's podcast and those type of things. Mm -hmm. Chuck Lawless has one of my favorite blogs that I read. Chuck and Lawless, L-A-W-L-E-S-S. If you're a Christian leader, you need to be reading Chuck Lawless. Um, also, I mean, I just love Dan Ryland. He may be on on everybody's radar that that your that your audience listens to, but DanRyland.com and Chuck Lawless, those two are daily must reads for me. Um, in terms of podcast, Lynch with a Leader, L-I-N-C-H, Lynch with a Leader. Mike Lynch, senior pastor of North Star Church, Kennesaw, Georgia. He's created a podcast in which he uh, speaks with prominent business leaders throughout America and how they tie their faith to what they're doing in the marketplace. Hmm. And that is, and I'm actually going to be a guest on that podcast in February, but that is, that's one of my favorites. And here's another one. You're a sports fan. Sports Spectrum by Jason Romano is a must listen to. And what Jason does, he was at ESPN for years, produced shows like Mike and Mike in the Morning and those type of things. He's got connections throughout the athletic community, like few people I've ever seen. He interviews uh, sports and sports celebrities, mm -hmm. um, you know, like Samantha Ponder and people like that. Mm -hmm. Share it, sharing their faith. Those are those are things that I think would make anybody's morning drive uh, a lot more enjoyable. That's great. Okay. Well, Brian, first of all, thank you. This has been fantastic and everything I'd hoped it would be. So we want to wrap up with uh, three questions that we often ask our guests. And the first one is a book you're reading right now that you'd highly recommend. The second one is an app that you're using that you really enjoy. And the third one is any kind of stage mistake that you've made that might encourage the rest of us who have made those uh, on on stage. So let's start with the book. Okay, so that I'm currently reading. Okay, well, I already mentioned I was reading two, and I've already thrown out Leadership, Myth, and Reality by General Stanley McChrystal. But the other book I'm reading, I am loving it. It's called The Goldmine Effect, Crack the Secrets of High Performance by a gentleman named Rasmus, R-A-S-M-U-S, Ankerson, A-N-K-E-R-S-E-N. -E the reason I bought that book, he actually spoke at the 2018 Global Leadership Summit mm -hmm. on, high on high performance. I loved his talk. I got his book. Uh, what it is, is he goes through these eight, eight you know, sections of the world, small areas like Jamaica, for instance, that turn out a high percentage of elite performers and athletes. So that's the gold mine. Uh, wow. Highly recommend it. Um, two chapters in and loving every page of it at this point. Okay, that is great stuff. All right, let's go to the app. Okay, uh, GLS Next, Global Leadership Summit. Okay. Uh, they put in there multiple snippets of top leaders around the world uh, sharing lessons on leadership and leadership development. Uh, I love that app, and it okay. makes my exercise time much better. <laughs> okay, last one. Any kind of stage mistake you've made? Uh, yes. Uh, the biggest mistake I've made on stage is relying on my notes far too much 
to the point that one day I was going through my material fast and looked down at my notes and couldn't find my spot and was up there and had to apologize to everybody and, you know, just did <laughs> all of that kind of, you know, I'm like everybody else. I've gotten confused <laughs> on what city I've been in and, you know, who I'm talking to. I've, you know, I've done what everybody else has done, but here's the deal. Prepare, repair, and you do that once and you don't want to repair anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, I've had that. I've done the, I'm not using notes, and then I just get confused as to where I am in my head and have to ask the audience, where was I? <laughs> exactly. Hey, so let me ask you a question. All let right. me ask you, yeah, so what are you reading now? Wow, okay, I'm reading the, I believe it's called The Legends Club. Uh, it's about... Um, Dean Smith, Jim Valvano, and Coach K um, during the 80s and 90s when, uh, when they were all winning titles together or opposing each other. Uh, I, I tend to read books when they're in season, so it's, we're moving into right. college basketball season right now, so I'm reading a lot of that stuff, uh, which has been really, really good. Um, I just finished um, Gridiron Genius, thanks to your recommendation. I loved, loved that book. Trying yeah. to think what I also finished recently. Uh, I tend to read a lot of sports books at, at night, and I'm reading "Leading from Your Gut" by John Townsend. Um, okay, um, another uh, a leader recommended to me, and it's it's been really good because um, it's 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 a little different than what typically leadership books are. So, all right, well that's good. Well, I so I so appreciate your your time and information, and and uh, really want to encourage our audience to check out Timeless. Uh, what a great read and 10, I mean, think about it, 300 insights and leaders and you whittle it down to 10. That's pretty amazing. So thanks for doing the work for us. Oh, anytime. And I tell you <laughs> what, it's been a pleasure being on your podcast. And if I can ever serve you in any way, just let me know. Well, thank you so much, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. As always, share it with somebody who you think might benefit. Love for you to give us a review on iTunes. And next week, we'll continue with the final of the best of the podcast of the summer. Hope you enjoy. We'll see you next time.